You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. And we are back. Hey, everybody. It's Kerry Murdoch here with you, along with Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich, and Joe Duvall for another edition of the Unofficial 40 podcast. And coming to you a little bit earlier than we did last week. Apologize for that Friday broadcast last week, late Friday broadcast. But uh, we're here early on Thursday uh, to talk to you about West Virginia. And, guys, so much going on this week. Uh, Eddie, let's start with you. I know, um, you know, this week just kind of going to practice and uh, thinking that you got, you know, you got a road game coming up. Got to kind of, I got to do laundry today. Still, um, it's not, it's not fun. Um, you become, I, it's my theory. You become your own mother the longer you stay single. <laughs> uh, so I'm being mom today for a little bit. Uh, but then you have breaking news, and it just kind of screws your whole week a little bit, and screwed my nap schedule. I've, I've had no nap so far this week. I'm dying. I'm gonna get a nap today. Uh, but the biggest thing that happened this week is obviously week after week after week, we ask about Charles Walker. It finally came to a head this week, and God, I'm so glad it did. Yeah, and it was it was really kind of interesting that it started on Monday with the end of Matt Diamond's career, and uh, and, and and Bob Stoops kind of just threw that out there at the, at the oh, by the way kind of thing. I tell you what, uh, here's Bob Stoops uh, doing his oh, by the way thing on Monday at his press conference. Well, Matt Diamond is that an injury that ends his career? Is he just decided no, not to return? It's just it's just a, it's multiple issues. You know, the injury has led to some other things, and in the end, at the end of the day, it's just not working anymore. So that okay. was <laughs> <laughs> Matt Diamond. What the hell is wrong with you? Something obviously happened, but then yeah, the Charles Walker situation finally came to a head, and you know, I, I think that it was. It, it didn't surprise anybody that this is kind of the way that no. it ends. And uh, it was probably, I think somebody put it as the worst kept secret in Norman. But Well, let, uh, me, let, let's, let me go back to Matt Diamond for okay. a second because uh, and bring in Josh here. Because, Josh, I know uh, you were always close being down in Houston. You were always close to Matt coming out of high school. You and I have talked a lot about it. Like, that was the thing. Bob announced Matt Diamond is not going to return. And he's done playing football at OU. He's not going to be back next year either. And you you started to think, oh, like, oh my God, is this another concussion thing? And so that's why I asked him that question. Like, is it an injury? Why he's not, you know, is he giving up football completely? Is he just here at OU? And then for him to say that, it just wasn't working anymore. You're thinking, okay, this is much more than just about injuries. And and Josh, you and I had talked about that, just trying to make heads or tails of it. Uh, and, and I mean, Matt Diamond's just always kind of been an interesting guy. 
Well, you guys are there every day. You know how it is much better than even I do that if Bob says things in a peculiar way, there's a reason. He doesn't just like, he doesn't, he's not coy to be coy. Like he's coy because, and I don't know if it's like, I want you to look into this, like, but I can't, I, I can't point you down that road, but you, you know, may, maybe you should ask some questions here. What I, I never know the answer to that part of it, but yeah, I mean, Matt's always been a guy that really just kind of did his own thing and marched to his own beat. And, and you know, I think that was always evident somewhat in his recruitment, but I think he was kind of, you always notice the guys that are like, the elite rivals 100 guys that are like, oh man, they got a big personality and they're they're a little harder to, you know, really know and kind of understand. And I think Matt was kind of that way that he was very easy to talk to and very outgoing. But I think because he wasn't the high profile recruit, sometimes people miss that. And then I know as you guys got to know him going through team stuff, Matt was always you always felt like something was bubbling under the surface. You know, yeah. not like I, a, I don't know that I would say it was a bad thing. You just felt like there were things at work with Matt that maybe you didn't understand. I don't know if you guys got that. It was always, always something liked, that I picked up on. I always liked talking to Matt, and yeah. he always seemed to be very, you know, he, he was very generous with his answers and things. And I think probably the fact that, Josh, you established a relationship, you know, so early with him. He knew uh, we worked together, and, and we worked for Sooner Scoop. But, you know, I could ask him kind of hard questions, and he'd be thoughtful about it. Uh, you know, whether it was leadership or, you know, after he got kicked out of the game last year in that Baylor game. But yeah, there was, there's always kind of like when you're talking to Matt, you're, he's looking at you and you're kind of wondering like, are you looking right through me? Yeah. Like, are, <laughs> are you going to kill me? Like, is there something, you know, is there, there something wrong with me that you just don't like? There was uh, there was times where he got into it with me on Twitter, and I was kind of like, "Man, the next time that I see him, I wonder if he's gonna like swing at me or something." <laughs> he told me he told me one time I said something, I kind of blew something up, and he he just tweeted at me. I think he said, "Do less, do less," <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. I thought was funny. Yeah. So uh, it was just yeah. I mean, I thought he was a good guy. I liked him. It, but he's obviously got some demons or something running around. He's, he's one of my favorite people we've gotten to talk to all year because a lot of guys, you ask them, they're immediately thinking, okay, how can I answer this where I don't get in trouble? How can I give the most cliche answer here? But Matt Matt was never that guy. Um, you ask him a no. question, you can see it in his eyes. He's going to think about it. He's going to give you his own interpretation of an answer. And that's exactly kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for guys to show their personality. And, and he would do that. Um, and and part of you wonders, you know, guys that kind of have that bright light, sometimes there might be other things going on with their brain that you're not quite sure about. Well, it's a shame. I And Josh, I know you've gotten to know him, you oh, know, yeah. really well. Uh, it, it's a shame to see his career end like this. It is. And, and, and like I said, I don't want my comments to be taken wrong. I think the world of Matt, I think he's a great kid. He's always been awesome to me to deal with. But, you know, you guys talked about it. Like so he, the perfect example for me was, uh, the year after he graduates, uh, Rodney Anderson's going into his senior year, and Katie loses like their like five year unbeaten streak in district. They lose it at a game I was actually at against the Woodlands, and Matt tweets at Katie football at Rodney. And he's like, "What the hell is going on?" You know, like he's furious. And I think it was the night before, like OU played like West Virginia or something. Like I mean, it was a fairly important game up ahead, and Matt's like torching his old high school on Twitter. So like he, he's he's just one of those guys like Joe was saying he's not going to pull punches. He doesn't know how to do it. 
He's kind of like a small, well, smaller. He's kind of like a younger version of me. Who's that? Matt Diamond. Matt Diamond? On Twitter. Just attacks. Attack, attack, attack. You don't really know why. Well, it, 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 the interesting thing about the week was it, it didn't stop there. I mean, you know, Charles Walker, as we talked about earlier, move on to talking about him. But I want to take you back to after the TCU game when Bob Stoops had, like, he was talking about something else, and we were trying to move on to ask him another question. He does that thing that he does, which is he circles back, and he wants to throw something out there that he, he before he forgets. And he threw out this little nugget about Charles Walker after the TCU game. Yeah, no, I've forgotten, and we're, we'll also be without uh, Charles Walker. Uh, he's, I guess he got a, said he got a concussion sometime in the game the other night, so, so he'll be out. Guess he said he got a concussion sometime in the game, so that, he'll be out. That was like the first clue that something weird's going on. And this was like the Wednesday kind of the beat writer meeting that we have where there's no cameras allowed. It's just the main beat writers uh, where this happened. And I don't think I thought about it at the time, but the longer I thought about it, I was, you know, when you see the transcription and you read over it and you're like, guess he said he thought he got a concussion. And, and you're just like... I don't remember him leaving the game. I don't remember anything. And then I kind of got some information behind the scenes that he was concerned about concussions. His family was concerned about concussions. And you got to remember, this is also the same time that Tay Evans, Daniel Brooks. I think Daniel Brooks actually happened right about the same time. Uh, like a week later. Maybe a week later. And the Tay Evans was actually that Monday when they announced he was done at his press conference. Um so, and then you had uh, you had uh, Jamal Danley before that. So you had three guys, and it's a little bit of a uh, you know a freak out about. Oh my God! You know, you remember the fans were going nuts about what is going on? Like, why is our why is our medical staff so hard on people for concussions? I mean, there's a lot of blame going around. I, how can you how can you feel confident enough to blame somebody who has a medical degree? That they went and got that they if they say something about a kid who can't play, I, I I don't know how you can sit at home. I mean, you can you can judge football, you can worry about play calling, you can do all that's fine. That's your eyes a fan, but when it comes to medical situations, I, I don't get the armchair quarterbacking. I, how do you know? How do you know what's going inside inside these guys' head? I don't I don't get it. Are you saying from the perspective of the player, like that you don't think they should be criticized? I think it'd be hard, or even the medical personnel. If you're saying that fans are are upset, saying you know, are 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 we being too soft, keeping these guys out, or are medical personnel being too, too stringent with these concussion concussion protocols? Even if you're blaming a kid for if you think he's, you know, not playing tough or whatever, I think all of that stuff is just I I, I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable, to be honest with you, because it's a medical situation. I, I don't know how you can have any perspective or insight into what what's going on in somebody else's body that they or their doctors. Oh, body. I can tell. I know everything. It makes me uncomfortable when a guy quits on his teammates. Well, there and we here's go. the thing. So there we go. So all this stuff is going on. You hear all this stuff. Like, well, Bob said he reported that he got a concussion after the game. Like, and you kind of hear the stuff like he's having symptoms, and he's not really has a concussion, but he really is looking toward the NFL, and he's concerned about getting more concussions. Because he's already got symptoms. and So this whole dance goes forever and ever. And what I thought was really interesting, guys, is 
Like, last game, last home game was uh, Baylor. And you see Tay Evans out there with his jersey on, with his team. His career is over because of concussions. And he is he's being a part of the team. I never saw Charles. Matt Diamond, he's been basically kicked off the team. He would be out there with his teammates. Uh, Matt Romar would be out there with his teammates. I never saw Charles Walker out there on game days. I don't think he was. And that's something that usually I try to pay pretty close attention to is who's down there on the sidelines, whether it be a hurt guy or uh, just a guy that is standing down there, not suited out. And uh, I never saw him. So it was always kind of weird that he was never down there. Or, you know, I think I saw him one time at practice and uh, that was a couple weeks ago. And that was just kind of in passing as we were getting ready to do. It's like, how long do you have to sit in a dark room? Yeah, really? Like, I mean, you can help. I mean, people have talked about this for years, years and years. You can help your team by just being there, by just talking to the young. I mean, talking to Devonte Lampkin. I mean, Devonte Lampkin tweeted out, you know, uh, something in support of him. He could have been there helping Devonte Lampkin. You know, hey, if this happens, do this. You know, or helping, helping out with. You know, if he sees something, maybe that a coach doesn't see. The one thing that I've always, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of in between. I understand that the the quitting on the teammates part of it, and you know, to Joe's point, I guess to an extent, I kind of understand the thought process in, you know, the if the if it's the idea out there that Charles Walker has one concussion left in his career i don't you know i don't know how they i don't think he does though okay i think this is a situation where he's had had a concussion or two or who knows how many i don't know if he had a concussion against tcu i really don't Mm -hmm. i I tried to get into that with bob yesterday uh and i'll play some of that for you but i think it's more like well you know i don't want to get any more concussions in in college i might only have five left yeah so let me save those for the nfl where i'm getting paid for i think that's what charles walker is thinking and now, is that kind of a shitty way to think about it as a as a teammate? I guess. I think it is. At least we're over 10 minutes into the show before you did that. Well, I mean, it is what it is. I, I have to, I have to uh, not censor myself when I come in this room, but you know how I talk. So, yeah, you're a longshoreman. Uh, <laughs> so, all this stuff is floating around, all these rumors, and we finally get, what day was this, Eddie, Tuesday or Monday? It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday when it came out. So, because I... Because you broke the story. We broke it on Tuesday. And so then Mike Houck, who is the the sports information director, director of strategic communications, um, he comes in and he says, he gives us a statement, which is, Charles Walker has elected to not play the rest of the season and will work towards the NFL draft. They were very careful, too, with how they worded it to us. And as soon as he said elected... I thought, oh, that's crappy. Like he could play, but he's cho- he's choosing not to play. Like that's the worst possible decision you could make, to me. Well, and that's the other thing too is this: he can play. I mean, that's the thing. He can freaking play. He can go out there and play and help his teammates win a Big Twelve championship. I mean, they're playing West Virginia on the road and Oklahoma State at home. He could make a difference. Yet he chooses not to play. Not to mention it's against it's a national television game on Saturday night, and then will likely be a national television televised game uh, for Bedlam in two weeks. But and it's not like he had a season that he for the last two years. It's not like he's put up numbers that just scream, you know, that he should be a first round pick or anything. I mean, I think Kuiper had him as a 
as a, the top defensive tackle coming out next year, beginning of the season, just because there was a lot of expectations, and that's all that has been around Charles Let me, Walker. I gotta play something for Mel Kiper. Let me tell you why I suck. <laughs> uh, okay, so let me let me just go through. So Mike Howe comes in, tell us tells us that we're getting ready to talk to Mike Stoops, and uh, we ask Mike Stoops about him electing not to play. What were your conversations like with Charles Walker before he decided to leave? I've had none. No. Mike had said, Mike Howe had told us that he elected to, to sit out the rest of the season. Is that, I mean, that's obviously got to be disappointing for a, a coach, isn't it? Sure. I mean, you you know, uh, quitting on your, your teammates is, it's hard to, you know, that's, that's hard to, it's hard to take as a coach. You know, that's everything we stand for is our commitment to one another and, for whatever reason, that that wasn't there for him, and you know his, you know he thought you know this was a better avenue. So you you know you'd have to ask him for those. You know what I mean? Just from a coach's perspective, you don't see this you know happen. You know very very often this is a unique situation, and you know I don't know what the details are of it. You would have to ask him, or I'm sure he'll put out a release or, or tweet something. But um, you know, like I say, we we've managed it, and you know wish him well and. You know, hopefully he can, you know, get his get his uh, you know football life together. He's a talented player, and um, just disappointed that you know the way it the way it ended here after you know such a promising uh, start to his career and, and not seeing it finish uh, in a positive way is is disappointing. I, I think personally as a coach, and and I know his players probably feel the same way. You know, we've we've come, you know, he's come a long way, and. But, you know, there's, you know, everyone has reasons and you would, you know, have to, I'm not going to uh, try to project what his reasons were, but, um, you know, like I say, I don't, I don't, we haven't, we haven't talked much. He hasn't been around much, uh, you know, in and out, so. And, and, and that right there, like he hasn't been around much. And Mike only used the quit word one time, the quitter, quitting. A story that has just probably taken on a life of its own the last 48 hours, I would say. Wouldn't you agree with everything that's being thrown at the, well, yeah, the uh, national, coaching the staff? The national media jumps onto it with the narrative of, uh, you know, this is this is good. The, the players finally have a voice. They have stood up, you know, to the tyranny of being on scholarship and getting their, you know, their their grants and or what is it, their stipends. I mean, people like conveniently forget. It's like there was all this stuff about oh, players need to get more money. They get more money, and then people just conveniently forget that they're getting extra money for playing now. I mean, I know it's not millions, but let's face it, most of these kids aren't going to be making millions. You read Mike Florio's article yesterday, and it His I mean, was the worst. It, it seemed like the OU coaches are making these guys like go through two days during the middle of the summer. I mean, during the middle of the season, and uh, everything is just against the player in Norman. And Well, I said this on the board, too, like, Look, the way that they handled uh, uh, Jamal Danley, Tay Evans, Daniel Brooks, they were as classy as they could be. They they said everything that they needed to say in terms of, we hate this for them. It's a medical decision. You know, their family was brought in on it. We hate to lose them, but it's in their best interest to give up football. Like, they're fine with it. They, they, they I don't want to say, they welcome them leaving with open arms, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Like with Charles Walker, they came in and said, hey, this guy elected not to play anymore. There was no, we feel really bad. You know, it's a terrible tragedy. 
No, it was this guy, you know, and, and Mike Stoops is going to be one candidate. This guy quit. Yeah. yeah. I, they're allowed to feel that way. Uh, I, I think they're totally allowed to feel that way, especially if they believe um, that Walker could play more than he's letting on or that the, the risks aren't as big as maybe he thinks they are. Um, but you have to hold Mike to the same standards you hold, you know, Austin Kendall to. He, he can't call Charles Walker a quitter there knowing what's going to come down the pike. I mean, you're going to create a distraction. He, he, he can, his tone was good enough. You understood exactly where Mike Stoops was on that issue without using the word quit. And I think that he, he you know. But he did, though. He quit. But when, when you have. He couldn't play and he quit. But he, when you have an issue of head injuries, and especially with the national consciousness, the way it is on those deals, you're, you're going to have backlash when Mike Stoops uses that word. And if, you're, if, you're, if your whole thing is you have to keep your, your players from going out in front of the media and giving any sort of uh, a distraction, any quote that will distract from the team, then you have to hold Mike to the same standard. I mean, you, and I don't have a problem with what Mike said. Look, I'll say this. Adrian Peterson broke his collarbone his junior year, could have just sat out, rushed to come back against, I think, Iowa State, a game that didn't even matter. He knew he was going to be one of the top picks in the draft. He couldn't wait to get back out on the football field. He wasn't worried about further injuries. or con- I know concussions uh, become a, a deal that wasn't around when Adrian was playing, but these are people... I'm sorry. I don't blame Mike Stoops for calling him a quitter. These are people that have been around Charles Walker that have convinced him that you know his best path to the league is to quit college. I mean, or, that's what it is. He quit college. If he if he wanted to leave so bad, he should have done it last year. I mean, there's no doubt that he wanted to leave. And well, he couldn't. He s- needed to get wrist surgery, I'm sure, that the school paid for. Yeah. Uh, so he could improve his, his ability to punch. And he, he had, I mean, he knew he had physical problems last year at the end of the season. Josh, what has he done this year that would make him think that, yeah, I've put enough on tape to even be drafted? Well, that's the thing that's crazy. Like, I keep seeing, pl- you know, like even teammates, which is, you know, I, I kind of want to dive into that with you guys a little bit. Like, it seems like that locker room's got to be a little bit interesting right now. And I, because I kind of agree with what Joe's saying. Like, it's about what, it's about what matters to OU. Do they care about that national perception that he probably shouldn't have used the words he used? Quit is just so strong and it was going to piss people off. And you get the impression watching some of the players that they're on his side in this deal. And so it, I mean, is it, I, I don't, I don't want to make it like, oh, the locker room's divided. I don't feel that way about it. But I, I can't help but believe there's not a few feelings that are a little raw about it. But as far as Eddie's question, I mean, the thing that blows me away, and I don't think people really realize it, I was looking at Charles Walker's numbers. He's played in 24 games. He has four career starts. All four came at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. He has 13 tackles for loss in his career, 10 of which came last season. What has he done that makes everybody think that on tape he's a first or second rounder? Like, I don't get me wrong, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm gu- doubling back. I think Charles Walker is tremendously talented. I have since I first saw his high school tape. But he was hurt all, you know, his senior year in high yeah, school. Yeah, he's too. got injury problems through going back to his high school career. And then you throw in this whole deal. You know, he keeps tweeting out stuff about, "Oh, I got to do what's best for my family." And do, does he re, is I I can't believe a player is so tone deaf to what the NFL looks at and what they're evaluating. What does he think when those scouts are coming by 
all the time to come watch OU practice. And when they come by for, you know, for uh, uh, the NFL Combine Day and all the stuff, uh, you know, the Pro Day stuff they do at OU, all those things, they're talking to Bob. They're talking to Mike. They're talking to Jerry Schmidt. They're having all these conversations. They're going to talk to the medical staff. And those people, even if they really like you, they may try to put you in the best light they can, but no coach is going to lie on your behalf. They're just not going to do it. And they clearly think, I mean, not clearly think, they clearly have put it out there. They think Charles quit on them. And that's that's not going to fly with an NFL coach. It's just not. I mean, people can point to, like Jadavion Clowney, there there was always some talk of that his his junior year at South Carolina. Well, I hate to break it to Charles, he's not Jadavion Clowney. Like that guy could get away with stuff because he is so absurdly talented and yeah. has so many physical gifts that nobody else has. He was the number he, one pick in the draft. I mean, exactly. He took his like, junior year Terry, off. Terry, your example, Adrian. Adrian could have gotten away with that because Adrian is so special that there's nothing like him. Charles Walker's a really really good football player. If he if he reaches his maximum potential, he's probably a seven or eight year NFL guy. Here's the thing: Adrian about it Peterson's too. going to the Hall of Fame. You yeah. know that that, that that that's all you can say, and it's gonna hurt his draft stock. Like I was talking to somebody the other day, it was like if he goes before fifth round, I'd be shocked just because of what people will get from his personnel. You know, kind of his personnel files. Look, here's the thing about the NFL: you are a commodity. You are you are a piece of meat. They're paying for you to come in and produce. And that's all they give a damn about. Now, you have guys that have your talent ability that are from all over the country that might have as much potential or more than you have that produced more on the college level than you did. And they don't have... They didn't quit on their team. What are they? Who are they going to take? You're falling behind every one of those people on the board. And the other thing is this. You ever, you ever been around an NFL coach? Those are some ruthless bastards, man. There, there are no, there, there's no flowers and unicorns in the NFL. Greg Williams, there are Greg Williams all over the NFL. The guy that got in trouble for mm-hmm. the bounty gate for the Saints. Every Mike Zimmer. Oh my God, you want to, you want to, well, yeah, you want to, you want to. You think Mike Zimmer would ever want anything to do with somebody like Charles but, Walker? But Kerry, that's perfect too, because you're talking about defensive coordinators, guys yeah. that are directly going to be involved with Charles. Those are probably the nastiest breed of NFL coaches. Those dudes just do not give a damn. Yeah, but Charles would get to go home to his house that they pay for, and he would give his mom. His mom could get to go home to a house that they paid for instead of whatever situation. Look, he, off of a practice squad salary? <laughs> yeah, six figures minimum. And he's not going to be a practice squad player for the first few years. And if he, I'm just, I think he oh, might. He could absolutely be a practice. He could be, but for he the might. first, for the first, right. look, you have Here, to have three years in the league before you get your second contract. He's going to go in. Probably is an unrestricted free agent where he could be cut at any time. If he takes off a practice because he said his head hurts, they'll just cut him. Here's here's my question: For do you not think he understands those risks? I mean, no, he, he might not. Does he not understand those risks? Because if he does, I don't think he has any idea what the real world is like. Okay, well, let's just assume that he does. Well, maybe he does understand these risks, and then wouldn't that make you start to think? Well, maybe there is an issue. Maybe he is concerned about his playing career ending at Oklahoma when he sees guys that he just played with have their careers end. And now, now here's the deal: if he, I think the big concern here is he hasn't been around, which leads you to think he won't be around in the future, which leads to the quitting thing. If he, if he said, you know what, I really am not sure about. How, how 
many more hits I can take, how many more injuries I can take. I just have to maximize um, my, my, my earning power for my family in the future. I love my teammates. I love my team. I'm going to be around. I'm going to help them as much as possible. I think that would have made things a lot different than this kind of, it all seemed kind of shadowy and in the dark, and which leaves people to, I think, think of it as in a nefarious term. He's not well, capable of having this dialogue. I mean, he's throwing up uh, cryptic tweets about decisions for his daughter. He hasn't talked to Mike Stoops at all throughout this process. I, he hasn't been around the team. He knows he's doing wrong. He's hiding. He hasn't been well, at games. That That's the thing. And Joe, like you kind of led me right. Like you, I, I get it. If, if he is concerned, like I understand that, that that's a completely valid concern. But the reality is if that's what it is, you're still going to be around your team. You're still going to do all the stuff. Like, I'm leaving for the NFL. And I'm going to go prepare for the draft. Well, if you're that concerned, or like, like, oh my, my livelihood could be in danger here. You know, my my ability just to function could be in danger here. How are you just like, well, I'm done with OU, but I'm going to the draft. Like, you can't have that both ways. Like, if you want to say I'm concerned, I need to sit out for a while, then why can't you be around the team? Like the team is because just not he, your focus. He That's knew, just not what you care about. Because he knew what he was doing was wrong. He, he was capable of playing, and he chose not to. And 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 team that breeds a horrible locker room. If you have people like that, if you have a guy like if Josh, if you just refuse to do recruiting stories, I mean, we're not going to be happy with you. No, no, I, I would expect Eddie to, you know, there's something to be burning in my front yard or on my front porch at some point. Eddie will just put up videos 24-7. Well, I'm sorry if, we don't have a story with this. If, if, Eddie, uh, <laughs> if Eddie gave a stop giving hot takes on the podcast, we'd probably start to. Yeah. I, I had somebody the other day. I'm uh, really surprised the word pussy hasn't come out yet today. It just did. There it you just go. happened. I don't know if I can call him that yet because I mean I'm not calling him. We that. need to we no. need to move on to somebody that can't beat me up and then I'll call him a pussy. <laughs> the 110 pound wrestler. That's, Eddie's going to stay where he's comfortable. Okay, well let me let's just wrap this up because like you said, OU's getting beat up about it, but uh, in some corners, mainly the national media. So yesterday when I went out to talk to Bob, I just kind of wanted to clear a few things. I wanted to make sure that he had been med- medically cleared, which Bob said he had. And I wanted to know how long he'd been medically cleared because I thought that was important. And I think people want to know that. And here's me pissing off Bob Stoops yesterday. I wanted to ask you just because there's been so much written already today just about Charles' situation, and we never really asked you a whole lot about it. Yeah, I got he gave a statement. There's no good way of saying any of it, so okay. I'm done with it. Yeah. I want to talk about guys that are on my team ready to play a chase a Big 12 championship against another top 12, 13 team, whatever they are, that's what needs to be talked about. But in terms of just the facts of it, I mean, everybody's yeah, kind of confused. I mean, Mike said yesterday that he he chose not to, to return. That's the facts. He was I, medically I said cleared. that. He was, I said that to Mike, didn't I? I said that in a statement. The statement no, made right. that clear, yes. How long had he been medically cleared? Well, you know, that's up to the doctors. I'm not sure how long, but, you know, but so be it. Is there a chance we can talk to Scott? We're done about, with it. About, no. Scott about that? No. We're not talking about them after after this point. Okay. Finish. That's how you piss off Bob Stoops. <laughs> and that's how you shut down a, a, a subject, too, on Bob's part. He's just like, all right, we're done. No, I think Barry Trammell came in after that. He's like, Bob, how thin are you on the defensive line? And so he's like, oh, we've been thin all year. So 
It was, he was fine after that. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I feel like I have to be the a-hole sometimes just so it doesn't turn into where like Hoover's the only guy just badgering Stoops <laughs> all the time or the student reporters. You can take it. The, the, it doesn't bother me. You're like Batman. You're the hero we need, right? <laughs> yes, you, I did this completely just to... <laughs> Joe just made a manly movie reference. Yeah. Oh, you he's, he's on his game today. He actually <laughs> made one before the show started. I did a usual suspects drop before the show started. You should have oh, heard it. Yeah. That, that's even better. I'm, that's strong. I'm two for two. Let's see if I can make it a winning streak with three in a row later on. You're going to talk about... I don't even want to guess. Uh, so, I mean, look, it's done. Bob is smart enough to just say it does me no good to talk about it. If people want to rip him, he's just going to let people rip him and brush. He's pretty good about that. But it pisses him off. I got him to say piss the other day, too. That was pretty good. Yeah, what was that about? Oh, the, about the uh, home win streak? Home win. Or the, yeah, uh, home it was wins. like we never asked him about winning his 100th game at home. And the fact that he's 109 at home is just unbelievable. And I was like, you've got to be impressed when you look. He was like, I've never seen that number before. I was like, okay, well, if I write 100 to, 109 on a piece of paper and set it in front of you, you've got to be impressed. He's like, I'm pissed off at the nine we didn't win. That's, I, I, Squirrely I Bob. Stoops impersonation. I don't know why I didn't do it. Squirrely Bob. He he has that uh, tone just about him where he you can you can sound agitated and if you're not ready for it you can kind of be fold you can be taken aback. Oh, that's that's definitely the uh, that's just a young the uh, Youngstown steel belt. You, you just you gotta would, stand your ground. Yeah, you would yeah. think that he's yelling, but he's really not. It's very difficult to do, but I've been doing this for a long time. I'm just I've got I I, I can do it, but I do love like Hoover can do it. Sittler could do it when he was around. Trammell has done it before. I wonder how Isaac and Drake stack up in the uh, putting up with it. <laughs> I bet they drive him insane. Oh, just I bet they're the only insane. two that I, just frazzle him at some point. I heard a story once that uh, they'll come back from games and Bob will start giving them pointers. You know, hey, on this play, you know, you, got, you can do this, you can shade him. And that they just basically laugh him off. That they don't listen to a single thing he says. <laughs> Which to me is hilarious that he's he's a millionaire coach, but he can't get his own kids to listen to his advice. All right, so shut I, up, Dad. Are we done with uh, Charles Walker and Matt Romar or, or Matt uh, Matt Diamond? It is good that they're. I think they will get Matt Romar back in uh, the rotation this week. No, I think he's definitely back. I mean, West Virginia. I, I guess we can move on to talk about that one a little bit. Uh, or do we want to hit up some recruiting first, Josh? Because I know there's there's been some activity today or the past couple of days. Yeah, you know, it, it has been. Finally, I think for the first time in – I bet it's been since almost the start of the season when OU handed out more than one offer in the course of a week. Like, it's just been kind of a little slow drain forever. But for those that don't know, uh, Oklahoma made their first in-state offer since – Oh, I'm gonna. I, I lead myself into a stat that I'm not prepared to give. So of course I did that. But <laughs> it's been a while. Let, let's put it that way. Um, with Cameron Curl, the uh, defensive back kind of athlete from Muskogee, and I know we were talking before the show, guys. I think it's pretty clear that they see Curl as a defensive back. Uh, there's some people that kind of just want to take him as an athlete and let his position work itself out. I had a chance to see him in the first game of the season against Midwest City. And really in that game, he shined more as a receiver, but that's, that's partially due to the fact Midwest City just runs the ball and there's not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of chance for him to make plays in the air. But he's, you know, six foot one, six foot two, probably about 180 pounds, very rangy athletic guy, uh, actually was offered by Ole Miss 
yesterday. So that kind of gives you an idea of what his senior season's been like, and he's been a guy that's impressed a lot of people. But what's most interesting kind of from a general perspective is I think Oklahoma's kind of shifting how they're looking at some things in the defensive backfield. I don't want to give too much away. We're going to have some stuff in the scoop tomorrow. But I think maybe you're seeing some shift in both in how they look at a few players and secondly, where the numbers are going to align. Like I, I think there had been talk for a while that it was going to be you know, just one deep, you know, one corner and one safety. And I don't know that that's exactly how that's going to play out, particularly with a few guys, um, Oklahoma moving their focus on how they see them in the defense. Now, Josh, what does this mean with uh, Midwest City safety Evan Fields? Now, I know that Oklahoma had told him that uh, he was their number two safety on their board behind Okuda. So now that, that doesn't look to be the case. Yeah, that looks like – and I can't help but wonder, Joe, you know, and you and I talked a little bit about it before the show, if, you know, over the last few weeks we've seen Oklahoma playing a lot more with Caleb Kelly opposite of Oboe Onquo, where they're playing more of a traditional true 3-4 setup than that situation that we, you know, we talked about early in the year where it was Oboe and Will Johnson trying to, you know, play an outside linebacker spot that he's just not suited for. I can't help but wonder if this is a – Oklahoma making a true commitment to that 3-4 front rather than kind of a 3-3-5. And if that's the case, then it makes sense because Cameron Curl is more of a pure safety as to where Evan Fields, and I know you agree, is a guy that fits more as a nickelback, can come, you know, play the flats, is going to be very good against the run, is a big, bigger, kind of more compact guy. While Curl is kind of rangy, he can play some center field for you. I think it's just maybe a sign of where Oklahoma's going with their defensive backfield. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Josh. Uh, Curl is a guy, if you want someone back there playing the ball, reading the quarterback, um, while it's in the air, moving in space, that, that's good. That's what, that's, that's what Curl would be better at than Fields. Now, if, if you want to stick with the Will Johnson type or what Stephen Parker was doing when he was at Nickel, then to me, Evan Fields always made more sense because he can play in the box. He has that that bigger frame, more stout. He's shorter, but he's more compact. He can hang with uh, slot receivers. He can hang with tight ends, and he can he can keep it uh, 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 physical in the box. But but if they're if they're moving away from that, if they're going to traditional three four. Evan Fields can't play linebacker for you. I I think they're. I mean, th- this team is always going to be greedy when it comes to personnel because when you've got a Kansas State in the league, when you're 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 possibly going to face an Ohio State. Uh, West Virginia, I mean, they're more of a run-based you know, offense than they are a pass, at least with Skyler Howard at quarterback. Um, you need to have some versatility. And I think the thing is, Caleb Kelly, a five-star athletic, physical, he gives you that versatility more so than Will Johnson was. If they could get a bigger Will Johnson, I think they'd love to have a bigger Will Johnson. Uh, Stephen Park, I, I just think that they've learned. You look at Stephen Parker and Ahmad Thomas. Stephen Parker is a guy that can cover receivers every once in a while. He's not a true corner, but he has cover skills. Ahmad Thomas doesn't. Who's playing better in the secondary? It's it's not even close. Stephen Parker is a much better player in this defense than Ahmad Thomas. Well, and the crazy thing, Kerry, is if you know you talked about like a bigger Will Johnson, you just brought up the guy who probably is the perfect tailor-made fit for the nickel, and that's Stephen Parker. He is a very natural guy. But because of the way things have worked out, they need him back there at safety. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I mean, how does this, the way the season's played out for them, 
I know you were talking about this a little bit earlier, but how does that fit in with, you know, what they can sell for a CUDA? Well, you know, I, I think that's, to me, that's the question because, I mean, it really, I think it's going to come down to Jordan Thomas because I think more and more, and, I, you know, I don't know how you guys felt, but I thought Jordan Parker probably played his best game of the season last week. I thought he was, he was really yeah, good against good. Baylor and maybe is starting to take that spot. And, you know, we're, and let's face I it, think, he, wasn't, he wasn't playing chopped liver out there. I mean, you, you didn't have – I can't remember the who's the receiver that starts with the P, but Zamora and Cannon are both excellent receivers. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. Zamora's, Zamora is the biggest receiver I've ever seen in my entire life. He is a massive human being. He uh, – you know, and, and you're absolutely right, Kerry. I mean, the, I think the kid you're talking about is Chris Platt. Platt, the, yeah, uh, that's who Yeah, I'm yeah. They, but, I mean – Baylor, whatever else is happening with talent and recruiting at Baylor, their receivers are fine. They got plenty of talent there. So to do a nice job against those guys, man, that, that says something. Um, but it's Jordan Thomas. Is Jordan Thomas going to come back? I think we all probably think he should, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen. I mean, we've already talked about one guy that's, that's casting his lot with the NFL draft that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, you know, that's – if he leaves – Zach then maybe Sanchez you've got a chance go. to sell a Cuda. Hey, we've got a spot right here for you. Because I think he's more, uh, you know, I think Oklahoma sees him, and I've mentioned this in previous scoops, as kind of a Jalen Ramsey type. Like, wherever we have space to put you, that's where we want you. We just want you on the field, period. Could that work over a place? I mean, uh, he goes to Ohio State. Uh, do you, Can you sell – can you do this to a defensive back? I know people can do it to quarterbacks or receivers. But can you can you sell a cornerback, a defensive back on? Hey, you come here, you can be the guy in our secondary. Can can they pull that off with a secondary guy like Okuda? I think they can. You know, I, I think it's a matter of you know, Jeff. We're gonna whoever you know, if they're wanting to sell him on corner, Jeff, you're gonna be on the number one receiver. You're gonna follow Katie Cannon. You're gonna follow Shelton Gibson. You're gonna follow whoever the number one receiver is. That's your man, James Washington. You know what? Whatever the case may be. He's your guy. We're going to let you lock him down, and we're going to worry about the other 10 guys in the field because we know you got this. And, I mean, you know, obviously that's hyperbole, but in recruiting, that's what you sell. Yeah. So, I mean, th th to me, that's what I'm pitching if I'm OU. With Ohio State, you know, they've got three guys in their defensive backfield that people are talking about in the NFL draft. And you've got to believe there's a couple more guys coming. You know, so I don't know that they can make that promise – like Oklahoma can, and be like, look, man, we don't have that guy right now. Ohio State, you know, they may sell him the same thing, but it's probably harder to believe for a kid like that. And as a safety, Oklahoma's flat out got a guy leaving. You know, the, Ahmad Thomas is gone no matter what. So they've got two spots in their secondary, and like I said, I get the impression that Oklahoma is selling him on the idea of we're going to get you on the field. You are too good of a player to, you know, we're not going to talk about learning the ropes. We're going to get you on the field and let you make plays. You know, what's interesting is uh, it's kind of the way it's worked out is, you know, talking to Mike Houck at OU, he kind of like apprises us of, you know, what to expect next week um, after the, the West Virginia game. It, you know, OU has the bye week because they take off for the Thanksgiving weekend uh, and then play Oklahoma State. So it is, they're playing at least on championship weekend. But, Bob is so focused on recruiting next week that uh, he might not even have a press conference. So they're really, they're really hitting the recruiting trail hard as soon as this West Virginia game is over. Perfect timing, right? I mean, this is their 
I think Eddie and I were talking about this before the show. If Oklahoma beats West Virginia Saturday night, that's their biggest win since Bedlam last year. And they'll be in a primetime game, and they'll have no more momentum in this recruiting class than they'll have if they end up beating West Virginia Saturday night. So uh, it would be the optimal time to capitalize. Yeah, you're doing it. You know, West Virginia, a nationally broadcast game. Oklahoma State, a very good chance to be in the exact same time zone, you know, time slot, and everyone's going to be excited. And you've got that whole week to go sell kids. And Friday night, they're going to be, you know, all over the place recruiting, you know, well, it'll be a little tricky because everybody's in the playoffs. So they're going to have to find when high schools are at their high schools. You know, they've got to be on certain, certain grounds. But they're going to hit the road hard over the next week. And it's, it's perfect because if you come off that win and then you've got the game, you know, that next week that probably is going to be the most ballyhooed game in the country because the SEC championship game is looking like garbage. So you've got a real chance to be the spotlight school or at one of, you know, or I guess a school in the spotlight game. So that that's huge for OU to be able to sell that and coming off that big win on the road if they can go get that done. Thank God that game will be at 11 a.m. <laughs> what a great conference. Well, you know what? Even if it were they had a championship game, with the Big Ten, the, the Pac-12 is on Friday night, but the Big Ten, the SEC, you're either going to be playing two games at 2.30 or one game at, you know, you wouldn't have two games at night, I don't think. But, uh, well, maybe you would because Fox and ESPN, there would still be a spot, yeah, if, if you have a championship game, I think it wouldn't be at 11, but it might be. Yeah, this is the first year, or, or I know that college game day will not go to any Big 12 venues this season, and... I, I know that's you know it's which is stupid. They've got a top ten matchup, right? Which you and know, they're going to Western we, Michigan. You can talk about the politics and business involved in that, but it, at the very least, it's somewhat indicative of where this conference has come and where they are in the national spotlight. Uh, if you can't, I mean, you there's there should here's be, the thing though. As much as the Big Twelve's been crapped on, they have three teams right now, and I'm not saying really legitimately vying to get into the college football playoff, but that's. Really, two more teams than the than the Pac-12 has. Three teams in the top fourteen, I guess. Because I mean, USC is up there, but they've got three losses. They've got no shot. They're ahead of a one-loss West Virginia. Yeah, that is just <laughs> pathetic. It's unbelievable. I actually asked Bob about that yesterday. He didn't bite. Like you feel disrespected as a conference to have a one-loss West Virginia behind a behind three a three-loss USC team. He wouldn't say anything. No. Come on, Bob. Oh, really? He doesn't need to say anything. The, the, the committee loves OU, I mean, for what they are. They basically said, well, we didn't put West Virginia ahead of OU because OU's better. <laughs> Their offense is really good. Yeah. OU just needs to score 200 points the next uh, two games, and that'll get them in the college football playoffs. We really like playoff. their offense, yeah. These rankings show, by the way, the OU brand, worth about a win a year. Yeah. I mean, OU is having the same record or same season, essentially, as West Virginia and OSU. And they had to, they're ahead of them. If you look back last year, they have a one-loss season, but they're in the college football playoff on the year before Baylor and TCU aren't. When you're OU, it doesn't, the Big 12 doesn't really hurt you that much because you're still OU, and you, you still kind of get that one-win bump above the rest of the teams in the league, which Texas would have also if they actually fielded a competent There's a, a very obvious brand bias in the, Absolutely. In the college football playoff. Josh, let me, let me switch back to recruiting for a second. I want to ask you about this. Um, you know, OU built the momentum that they're they're 
that they are, um, I'm trying to think the right way to put this, that they're enjoying right now, the momentum they're enjoying right now was built last year, going to the college football playoff. And as happens, everybody's like, oh, I didn't, well, I didn't go into the college football playoff payoff for OU. It's because, as we have said to say many times, your recruiting class isn't built the year that you play. It's built the year before. So now that Oklahoma has a, you know, a top five recruiting class, they're making a push. Even if they don't get to the college football playoff, if they go undefeated these next two games, they go to the Sugar Bowl, they play a really good SEC team, how much could that help down the stretch going to signing day with some of the big names? I think it's huge. You know, I mean, you talk about that that matchup. I mean, especially because if OU goes to the Sugar Bowl, they're almost guaranteed to play like an LSU or some high-profile SEC team, you know, Auburn maybe. So it's not going to be Florida, which they could beat the crap out of Florida, which would be good for them. Exactly. Well, you know, you even look at LSU. That's a pretty good matchup for OU if you think about it. Where's OU's problem been? The secondary. No, Josh. What can LSU do? I'm not going if LSU is going to be in the in the Sugar Bowl. (laughs) I've done that before. It's a freaking nightmare. (laughs) Well, aside from Terry. So, any other matchup you want to throw out there? Do it. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, whatever. If I could cover a Coach O press conference, though, that would be sweet. He just. He is awesome. Eddie, did I tell you I saw him a couple of weeks ago? I really? read that the Marvin Wilson Josh Rogers game. He was he was there on the sideline just hanging out and he was like, I'm I'm I think I was doing something at halftime on my computer. I'm sitting there, I'm right by the gate where he walks out and he's like, What's up, big fella? Like, I mean, he just says it in that voice and you're like, Hey coach, you know, like That's Coach I don't even know what to say. That's awesome. He is he is he is badass. It's like Eddie would run up and hug him if he saw him. I'd give him a high five for sure. <laughs> well, if he, Eddie doesn't hug you unless you're wearing a Cubs jersey. So, you know, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> but I got to think, I mean, after the one and two start and, you know, yeah. all those recruits being in during the Ohio State game, I mean, now oh. if, if you go out and you run the table after that game, then everybody can kind of look and say, okay, well, you know, that was a bad day in Norman, but. Ohio State's the number two team or whatever in the playoff, and Oklahoma's really not that far behind. Yeah, you know, I think it's amazing what that, you know, and not to, uh, we'll move forward, but that that missed kick against Houston did to their season. Like, you still feel like if that play doesn't happen, OU's an entirely different situation, and that Ohio State game doesn't look that bad. You know, Oklahoma just had a bad night, and they got beat up front, and you know that's the way it goes, but they lost to a really good team, so no harm, no foul. But terrible defensive game plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we can go into that, but we we won't we won't do that. But you know, going forward, yeah, I think Oklahoma. If you'd have told them that they could have closed like this, I don't know that they would have. You know, I I'm, I'm sure they would tell you they believed it. But there is a chance when you look around at their class and the spaces that are available. You know, you could be talking about the best pair of bookend tackles OU's landed since, like, 2004. You know, you going back a ways with the potential to land Adrian Ely and Chuck Filiaga. You look at what they've done at running back, quarterback, the receiver. They still need to kind of finalize with a guy like Marquise Brown would be a huge, a huge get in that slot receiver role where they clearly need somebody who's a playmaker. But, yeah, you know, you look at how this is going – with Oklahoma having two huge games to close the season and potentially a big bowl game, 
there's no reason OU shouldn't stay right where they are in the rivals rankings, which is the number three team in the country, which is range that Oklahoma hasn't hit in over a decade. By the way, for people that aren't on the scoop, uh, in by, we should take this moment to uh, be whores. Um, check out Soonerscoop.com. Give us a sign up. Uh, really good information throughout. I mean, you'll find out everything as it happens. Uh, you got all of us to you know tell you the ins and outs of things when they do happen. But Josh, kind of you know over the the last recruiting weekend, some big names were in. Uh, just give people out there maybe that aren't on the scoop a little bit of rundown of of how things went for Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma had four official visitors in this weekend. Uh, two of them commitments: Justin Broyles and Addison Gums. Broyles is is locked in as any commitment ever. He, he that that's set with Gums. There had been some talk of a. Texas A&M visit. I know Washington and UCLA are still trying to get him on campus for an official. But talking to Addison, I mean, he talked about it was the best visit he's ever taken. He loved it even more than the first one. And obviously, the first one was the primary deciding factor in him going to Oklahoma. So clearly, it went well. I think what's interesting is there had been some buzz that maybe his parents weren't as sold on him going to Oklahoma. But talking to some people, it sounded like they were all in. They really liked their time on campus. So I, I think more than ever, you can feel pretty good about where OU is with Addison Gums, who is clearly as an outside linebacker and one of the top outside linebackers in the entire country is a huge deal for Oklahoma to reel him in. And he will be a January enrollee. So not only are you getting a very talented guy, but he'll be on campus for spring ball and could have a chance to make an impact next year. So I think that's a big deal. The two uncommitted guys who were there, Hunter Eccles, uh, Rivals 100 defensive end from the Los Angeles area, uh, USC commitment. Eccles is, uh, from people I talk to on campus, he really liked the trip. His mom is the, you know, for those that don't know, went to Oklahoma Christian, has a lot of connections, is actually, I don't know if you'd call her an OU fan, but she definitely has a lot of respect for Oklahoma. She, she's big on that. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I still think USC is going to be very tough to beat, especially the way they're playing right now. But I yeah, think you almost Oklahoma, want to say you almost want to say you'd like to see USC just kick the crap out of UCLA this weekend. But kind of it would help them with gums. But if he's in the fold, strong. Yep. You might almost I, I hope for an upset. I think you need USC to crash and burn right yeah. now. I mean, that, that that's going to – when they were really free-falling, it was going to help OU. Uh, the only other guy, and I'll, I'll be kind of brief on him, is Latavius Brini, the defensive back from Miami. Uh, he and I are set to talk a little bit later today. Uh, he's been kind of mum about his visit. He hasn't said a lot. I do think he liked it a lot, but he's a very kind of kept-to-himself guy. He's not going to tip his hand much. And I didn't hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, he was he was giving us some indications that maybe we're in a good spot. But the good news about that is, from what I'm telling you, there was some hints that Hunter Eccles is bigger on Oklahoma than maybe some people expected. All right, uh, West Virginia coming up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that before we get out of here. Uh, Oklahoma State's playing at TCU over the weekend. There, The possibility does exist that Oklahoma could win a Big 12 championship this weekend with an OSU loss and an OU victory, uh, anybody expect that to happen? I think it might. I, I, OSU, and OSU will play earlier in the day. and So, so you'll know. Yeah, you'll, yeah when it, it's possible that when OU and West Virginia kicks off, you'll know that that's a Big 12 championship game. So, I, I, and TCU is... The problem is if West Virginia wins, wins and, and then, then OU beats OSU, it would be a share. Or if OSU beat OU, then OSU would claim... 
to be Big 12 champs, but they'd be co-champs because they'd be... Or no, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would. More, more uh, fuel it's for, confusing. for Eddie in this conference, this talk right here. I mean, if you had a championship game... You can't get a three-way tie, I don't think, but you can get a two-way tie. It kind of screws it up because West Virginia will play next weekend, don't they? They have two games, or three games left, don't they? Yeah, I think they're one game. Oh, they they right. and Baylor were one game down you're from right. everybody yeah. else because they had early buys. It could be a de facto. It would be a de facto big. Essentially, so so if OSU loses early in the day, only Oklahoma would have the chance right. to clinch Big Twelve a Big Twelve right. title that night. That's correct. And but, if that if that were to happen, we need to uh, have T-shirts made up that have moonshine in one hand and a Big Twelve championship <laughs> in the other. Just make the little trophy. Yeah. We'll have a ring on one finger. Maybe you could have like a... Put a ring on, on Bob Stoops' middle finger. What are those, raising what are those bottles that they have? Like the jugs? With the XXX written on it? Well, no, not the jugs, but the the, 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 the screw-on tops like that you pickle stuff in. Mm -hmm. What are those Yeah, like called? mason jar almost? Mason jars, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should just make a Big 12 champion mason jar. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'm, that would be I'm cool. hoping to find a mason jar of moonshine before the game. <laughs> Can you do that like on... Friday? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Sunday? It's probably Saturday afternoon. I bet you can get some from the stands. Down you don't the need a whole jar. No, not a whole You'll jar. I just want to take a picture with it. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Maybe have a sip. I think so. Eddie has a thing of moonshine. I could see him going David Blaine and like chewing the glass. Like They, they could get real aggressive. Did you watch that special? I did. I love David. I Blaine. watched like, it. That was cool. Yeah, it freaked I, it me. Out. I mean, it didn't happen. Near my favorite of his, but he's he's awesome. The regardless. thing about the the wedding rings to start it off was just it blew my mind. I think I I tuned in right after that. I tuned in right when he started eating Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, wine glass. <laughs> the the human frog thing or the the human aquarium thing. I saw he did that on on a, a Fallon the other night. Yep. With the roots, and it was, you can watch it online. It's unbelievable. I just don't understand it. See, that's not a magic things, trick. That's just, yeah. that's just a freak of a human being. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff, like, that stuff doesn't wow me. Like, when he does the street magic and he does all the card tricks and stuff, I'm like mesmerized. That's, that's when I'm all in with David Blaine. Like, Josh the stuff magic. he can do. Uh, you were talking about the Fallon thing where he did the, he had like, the guy had five cards on his chest and he threw the stack of 52 at him. Yeah. He's like, he got seven more, and the guy counts out and there's 12. Like, somehow magically underneath the guy's hand, seven cards just appeared. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like when he just sticks like a needle through his hand. I don't, that's okay. You're just crazy, crepey and crazy, yeah. and you have a weird body. But when he actually, <laughs> when, you, when he does things that make you think. You have a weird body? What? Yeah, he sticks a needle through his hand. And so. Joe's wait. body shaming. Joe's what? body shaming. Well, Dude, that's great. Well, you know, not everybody can have a body like this guy. <laughs> but I mean, how do you if you're just sticking a needle through your hand? I mean, that's cool, I guess. But you're just like that weird kid in elementary school who plays with bugs. You know, you're not like an actual magician. The other stuff's cool to me. The illusionist kind of stuff. The I have a weird yeah. body that can do weird things. Go to the Guinness Book of World Records or something. Joe looks like a hairy light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> my my friends always used to say I look like uh, Seth Rogen and Brian McCann had a baby. <laughs> Maybe like a hairy pear. Like the catcher, Brian McCann? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, matchup. Oklahoma, West Virginia. It, West Virginia has the best defense, and they they have a, a really good secondary that's going to come up and hit. I think the biggest thing for Oklahoma in this game is the fact that Samaj Piran got to play a little bit last week. 
and he and Joe will both be available in this game. To me, that's that's I mean, that brings Westbrook into play. That brings Baker's arm into play. But you have those two guys. I don't think that as good as West Virginia is as a Big 12 defense, I think you have to be like Auburn or something if you really want to have a chance of slowing down OU's offense. Lincoln Riley puts it really well. How, how can you double D.D. Westbrook when you have Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan and a guy like Mark Andrews who can play the slot slash tight end? You, you just can't. With all those guys on the field together and Baker Mayfield's arm and ability to escape the pocket and how well the offensive line's been playing all year, uh, th- there should be no reason for this offense not to put up points. No matter how good West Virginia is, there's just too many weapons. It's certainly an opportunity. I mean, you want to go win a Big Twelve championship and uh, and be this team that I think every that they've been trying to be since losing to Ohio State and Houston. This is your chance to go make a statement. And uh, you know, I think offensively, it, it they're going to be okay, uh, Kerry. I think that you bring up a good point, and Samaje is going to be. I think he's going to be Samaje on Saturday. Yeah, but he got better and better as that game went on. Yeah, Saturday against. Baylor. And there was a couple runs in the first half, even that him and uh, Mixon both they 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 were a a, a trip a shoe tackle away from yeah. breaking one open. And uh, you know I I'm really excited to be just be up there for the atmosphere. It's going to be I think the stadium's going to be awesome. Uh, but you know what defense is going to show up for Oklahoma? Is it going to be? Uh, the half-assed Jordan Evans, or is it going to be the defensive player of the week, Jordan Evans, yeah. that, that shows up on Saturday fair night? question. That's fair. I'm- Let me ask you, stat boy Joe, uh, last time Oklahoma was there, do you remember what uh, – there was a, a touchdown combination that wasn't quarterback to receiver, running back, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Deron Neal uh, threw, threw it to pass. Trevor Knight. That's correct. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten that until somebody brought that up the other day. I did until I saw it on the old Sice uh, and Sounds. Oh, because you were going forgot. through it? Yeah. Was that a third and goal, too? It was, yeah. It was, it was something yeah. like that. It was, And it was a big play, too. Was it a reverse? That was, yeah. yeah. They handed it off to P. Ryan. P. Ryan flipped it to uh, Neil. Neil, and then Neil and then hit Knight on Knight the back. Knight ran almost like a little wheel route or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 It was like at the two or three yard line or something. It was down by the end but zone. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be... I assume their students are in because it's not earlier in the year like it used to be. Judging on some of the, uh, judging on some of the uh, the house signs that have been sent into Old Row, uh-huh. there are students in Morgantown and they're they're ready to roll. We've never been there with a full complement of students in town and everything. I know. I'm I'm very excited. I don't know what the wet now. What do we have a weather update at the present? Let's see. We are recording this podcast. 12.30 12.30 on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, it's... I mean, the high is 74 on Friday. The high on Saturday, it changes a little bit. It goes up to 57 degrees on Saturday and then decreasing throughout the rest of the day. Uh, a low of 27 Saturday night. Precipitation, though, is kind of the, the one thing that everybody's going to be watching. And uh, Saturday, let's see here. No, 55 degrees. A steady rain in the morning. Showers continuing in the afternoon. A morning high of 55 degrees with temps falling to near 45 by Saturday afternoon. And then Saturday night is when it gets interesting. Uh, 32 degrees, 60% chance of snow showers, mainly during the evening. Low of 32. Winds from 10 to 20 out of the west. Uh, chance of snow, 60%. But uh, accumulation less than one inch on Saturday night. So I think if anything, it's just going to be a wet, cold night. I think that's, it's going to, it's just going to be a wet, cold night. And 
I completely forgot that, you know, in Baker, who I noted on the board on Tuesday night, I thought his, his this week, his uh, media session on a scale of one to 10 cockiness, it was probably about a 13 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he was definitely in game mode. Like, I think earlier in the season when things weren't going well, he was really good about just coming out and being really honest about their issues and their problems. Now that they have been playing this well this long, I think he's so jacked up to go on the road and play in, a, in this environment. He's had his game face on since Monday. It's been interesting to see like just how kind of outspoken, I guess, him and Riley have been. And even, I think, uh, really all the players just have been about, we want this game to be at night. We, yeah. want, we want to play in this environment of us against the world it's because much. of the baylor game last year yeah that's why they want to do it they they point to that game as what really turned that team around and made them uh you know somewhat ready to to play in the college football play i think they feel like if they can win this game in that environment the fact that they're coming home for oklahoma state depending on what happens that that will get them more ready for the college football playoff than anything else mm -hmm. they feed more power from the road than they do at home they no love doubt. they love their home crowd when they when the home crowd gets amped they get amped but when when there's something about this team and on the road you can tell that they just get more juice that they're energy so brings good they want it to be them. harder on offense yeah, they, like, they, they want the challenge they, well, you know what it is look at look at the i mean you guys are talking about it look at the leader of that team that is a brash yeah. dude that believes in it. Like he, he, he seeks loves out adversity. It when it rains down on it. Yeah, exactly. He loves that stuff, and I think the rest of the team feeds on it. Yeah, and I think the the play caller probably feeds off of it more too. Lincoln <laughs> Riley, he, really he does, loves yeah. that shit. How different is Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield compared to Josh Heupel and Trevor Knight from oh a few God. years ago, personality wise? It's, I mean, that's it's not even. I don't even know if you can compare. They're they're that far away from each other. I'm trying yeah. to get this story out there, and Eddie's got the video ready. Uh, I've been kind of working all week. Just you know, Lincoln Riley has always embraced the fact that Trevor Knight's or that uh, Baker Mayfield is really cocky. Like he hasn't tried to calm that down at all nobody has bob's even embraced it yeah and it's like they've never had a quarterback like this at oklahoma they've never had anybody that was outspoken or did anything besides just celebrating the end zone after a touchdown guys I, I was looking you guys were talking about that deron neal touchdown the last time OU went out there and it made me go back and look at the numbers listen to trevor knight's stat line from the last time they were at west virginia 16 for 29 for 55 percent completions 205 yards passing, zero touchdowns, and a pick, and a QB rating of 107. Didn't he have 100 yards rushing, though? Let's see. He had – no. He didn't – the, the, th the Yahoo page I'm looking at shows him as not even having a carry, which doesn't sound right. Hmm. But, I, you know I mean, they it's did accounted for 45 – it's even got Blake Bell with one carry for two yards. What they did have in that game was an Alex Ross uh, touchdown kickoff. That was huge mm -hmm. in that game. That's and right. I think that came right after did West Virginia had taken the lead or they had tied it up, one of the two. It was right before halftime, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, right it before was. half. Uh, something I wanted to also add was, you know, Mayfield, he was so good against the Blitz last week. It caught my eye that Pro Football Focus put this out earlier this week uh, when Baylor blitzed. Mayfield was eight for eight for 195 yards last weekend. Well, that's going to be the 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 dip, most difficult thing for him this week is that three three five. They blitz and they drop and they blitz from the the, the corners safeties. 
they'll they'll send you know they'll go zero at times. I mean, they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. They'll go zero at times, and then they'll drop everybody, just not rush anyone. I mean, they they give some. Tony Gibson has done a fantastic job, but he keeps everybody. That's going to be Baker's biggest challenge is is not getting lulled into thinking you know certain things on the field. It it, it also helps too with having P Ryan back when they can get him and Mixon on the field. Uh, you know that little screenplay to Mixon could be a really deadly play this week when they bring the blitz. Yeah. he's a he's a guy that you can't account for. I mean, he the, the the special thing about Joe Mixon is not really the the big plays that he has. It's the stuff that he he does, the yards he can get. If you have a hard time running the ball, if you have a hard time passing the ball, he can just be a little safety outlet that can pick you up some yards when you really need it to keep you out of. You know, long down and distance situations. All you have to do is flare him out. Just have him as a safety blanket. And if the linebacker doesn't get out into the flat quick enough, all Baker Mayfield has to do is dump it down. He picks up 15 yards, and that just kind of bam. There's your spark. There goes yeah. the offense all of a sudden. And that that's something you know when people were were you know Abdul Adams might not have the spark these other guys do. Well, you're right. He doesn't. These guys, uh, Joe Mixon is borderline superhuman. So you can just get him the ball in any kind of space. In a one-on-one situation, even in a one-on-two situation, chances are he'll turn into a positive play for your offense just because he's that good. Look, this is Oklahoma's biggest challenge since Ohio State, and they haven't faced anybody that's this good on defense, I don't think, maybe since Ohio State. So is this team just missing a few pieces from being a great team? I think we're going to find that out. Maybe this team resembles more when it's all said and done that team that lost to Houston at the beginning of the year. Or maybe, I, I think they've gotten better. I think defensively, having Caleb Kelly becoming a bigger part of the defense has been good for them. I think Stephen Parker's playing really well. Uh, Jordan Parker has helped them figure things out and stabilize them. So I think they're, I do think they're better. They're thinner on the defensive line than they've been. But at the end of the day, they lose this game, and you're just going to say, well, this just wasn't this just wasn't a good enough team. You're right back to where you were after the... Ohio State and Houston. Well, you're losses. not one and two. I mean, well, yeah. you've done some good things. You're still, but have a potential of sharing a Big Twelve championship. Yeah, but I, I think for the most part, a lot of people will say that you really haven't done anything because you you beat a bunch of crap teams. Yeah, in between those losses, and when you were faced with another decent test, you lost again. Yeah. So uh, they you know, need you, to win. Yeah. You bring up Caleb Kelly. I. We mentioned it. You get everybody needs to check out the video that we have on the board with him. By far, one of my favorite interviews. Good Probably will end up being one of my favorite Oklahoma players before it's all. Well, you know down. what's weird is you see him on the field and in his uniform, he does look kind of long and skinny. But up close, he's big. he's put on some serious weight since yeah. I saw him in Baltimore. Like his, like he's got muscles on his shoulders. Like I don't know, like his shoulder blades. He looks very, very good physically. Part of that's how fluid he moves, what kind of athlete he is. He, he, yeah. he, he moves so fluidly, he looks like he's smaller than he actually is because he's that good of an athlete. If, if he was clunkier, then you might think, oh, yeah, he's a little bigger, but he's just that. I mean, this Whatever is, this they're is, doing is working. This like, is why whatever you, Tiffany Bird is doing is working this wonders is all, with him. This is also why you bring in five stars or why five stars can change programs is because they, they can do anything, basically. Or, or a guy like that can. They can be versatile. They can be big. They can be fast. They can be strong. They're, OU has too many guys that just fit a niche that they can just kind of, oh, we need him to do this, and Caleb Kelly can do everything. And he's playing well, so yep. that's good. 
All right, we're out of time. Uh, we got to get out of here. Glad that we could get a podcast up a little bit earlier for you guys this week. Eddie and I will be heading to Morgantown. Uh, hopefully, we'll get back. That's my only worry. I don't care about getting out of there, but I hope we can get back. Now it's like Sunday is like forty degrees, and there's I, the precipitation is really taking a drag off. Uh, is that a meteorologist term? No, a drag off. No. Just hang in Morgantown a few extra days and hit the casinos. If we have to hang in Morgantown, I'm going. Sh- uh, hopefully, they have You're a Fiji house and they'll take in a brother and <laughs> we'll just drink. And do that, is it like a? I always want to know. Is this like a, a handshake you would do, or like a, a something to let them know you're actually? A can't Fiji? tell you that, Joe. Oh, okay. Oh. So <laughs> wait, wait. You, you can't tell me if there's anything. Can't tell you that. Oh man, it's a foundation of the brotherhood. Yeah, secrecy. don't you know anything, Joe? Uh, not about fraternities. That's why I was trying to know. There is a handshake. There is a handshake. They all have them. There's may something. may or may not. <laughs> Josh, you want to come up with a handshake of our own that we won't tell Eddie about? Just Be very GDI. GDI. <laughs> very GDI. <laughs> it would be. All right, Eddie, the elitist fraternity brother. That's uh, his parting shot. For Forty me. degrees and cloudy on Sunday, so now You're I just, think we're going to be okay. Okay, nobody cares now. They just they just want their damn interviews after the game. All right, Eddie. We'll get them. All right. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. I'm glad that we're going to be off for Thanksgiving next week, but I'm looking forward to this one last big road trip. Uh, thanks to Joe Duvall, who's in studio, Eddie Radosevich. Uh Josh, any parting shots here? No. Why do I always have to have the parting shots, man? I think we know that we just need to give the, that mic to Eddie for like 30 seconds. Just let him yell at someone. Eddie, you want to say anything horrible here? I got a. I got trying a, to think of something. I got a cussing <laughs> robot that can do it for you. Well, it's like you know, Eddie brings the fire out, and then Josh brings the wisdom. It's a nice close, I, like old man Josh. There's really just nobody to hate on this week. Type in, it, type in cursing robots on uh, YouTube and just watch it. It's glorious. All right, here's our project. Go to our iTunes page and give us a review, or our Stitcher page, uh, or our Google Play page. We really appreciate you guys uh, giving us all those great reviews. Uh, and also, sign up for Soonerscoop.com if you're not. Uh, uh, contact Josh at Soonerscoop.com. Uh, while Eddie and I are on the road, if you guys uh, want to want a special, maybe we can do something for you. So uh, do that. Josh at Soonerscoop.com. Josh, are you okay with me, me putting I that uh, responsibility on you? I, that's fine. I got it. I'm, I'm an email whore, so we got it. Josh will not hear this, but uh, we're going to end the day. Uh, we're just going to pretend like all your names are Kevin. And uh, these are the cursing robots. See you later, Kevin. See you tomorrow, f- face. Hope a robot doesn't burn your f- house down.